0: Ho ho ho! Welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast, me darlings. I hope you are strapped in. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales to your website and this is possibly the most hardcore episode we have ever done. If you're technically minded, you're going to absolutely love this and if you're an SEO geek, then you're really going to get warm and fuzzy about this topic. We've brought onto the show Andy Tuxford, who is our super brain head of SEO and he Likes technical stuff. He's been digging through some Google research papers all about how Google checks facts. And this is really important because it impacts ranking and it's also really useful for an SEO to understand how Google thinks and how Google understands what's true and what's not true. We've seen since the medic update and further back than that that Google really is Taking responsibility for the accuracy of what it shows in search results. And if we're going to be on the right side of that, we need to make sure that the content on our site is fully accurate. And understanding how Google is measuring that accuracy is obviously a really important ranking factor within that. So, Andy is going to take us deep. It's not going to be the bells and whistles roller coaster of emotion and hype that you might have become used to here on the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. It's fairly technical. It's fairly heavy going in places, but Andy makes it as simple as possible to understand. But I love this stuff and I hope you do too. Don't forget, if you hear the first five minutes of this and you're like, okay, right, drop me out, Tim. Um, You just want Exposure Ninja to look into your SEO for you, then you can request a free SEO review from our website. If you go to ExposureNinja.com and click that big old button, button, then you'll be able to request a review from the team. What we'll do is have a look into your SEO, how your site's ranking, what your competitors are doing to rank, and we'll be able to map you out a prioritised action plan that you can follow to increase that ranking, as well as getting more leads and sales through your website, through conversion optimization, pay-per-click ads, social media, and anything else that we can see that would help your business grow. It's completely free of charge to get this review. It's genuinely awesome. Anyway, without further ado, close your eyes sit back, get an ice bath ready because you're gonna need it after this one. This is Andy Tuxford talking about how Google thinks and how Google checks facts. Enjoy my lovelies. Andy, welcome to the show.
1: Hi Tim, great to be here.
0: So you're gonna help us understand how google checks checks facts right how google identifies what's real and what's fake sounds like yes a big topic. Uh, as,
1: as best i can so yes uh, hopefully i can shed some insight on it
0: and obviously the disclaimer that we should give at the start is that all of this information is from a published paper from google right Yes, this
1: is is from a Google research paper published by Google Research NYC. And so, so, yes, as you say, for a disclaimer to be clear, Google has not said anywhere that this is how they do it in their algorithm, but... As they're spending a lot of money on producing the research and the results at the end of it showed it produced better results than their current methods and was more scalable, I would be very surprised if it isn't part of their algorithm in some form. Uh, It's also worth noting that this research paper was published in April last year, so it's a little older. Chances are it's probably been tweaked somewhat in how they do it because we all know Google likes tweaking their algorithm. Um, the bane of seo's existence Uh, so it's probably been tweaked in some way but it gives us some insights into what what they're trying to achieve and how they're trying to go about fact checking and how they look at fact checking content so i think it still provides valuable insight particularly to media areas because obviously stories are heavily fact-based and um With all the news around fake news and everything at the moment, it's a bit of a hot topic. So um, I would be very surprised if this is not part of the algorithm.
0: Yeah, it would feel a little bit pointless doing all this work and publishing this research paper if they were then going to say, yeah, let's not use any of that.
1: Yeah, especially with the results being very positive from the research, it would seem a very strange move from Google to spend a lot of money on doing all this research, come up with really great results, and then just go, No, we're gonna put that to one side and ignore that. So um Yeah. So with yeah. the
0: disclaimer in place, don't trust anything that we say at any point during this podcast. <laughs> ignore all of it. It is pure fantasy. Um, with that in place, I'm just curious, why do you think Google would publish this research paper telling all of us how it, how it goes through this process, how it checks facts?
1: Well, is core is, if you think about it, it's a pretty open company in terms of telling people how they do things. They want people to know how they do things because they want people to make the internet better because mm. they're all about serving the best results to their users. That's their at least the Google search, that is their purpose—to serve the best results for their users. So, if you know how it works, you can make sure your content provides the best results. So, it's win-win for everybody. You get the best—you co- get more traffic to your site because you're, you're work building your site based on how Google works. So, they like that. They're serving better content to their users, which keeps people enmeshed in the Google ecosystem using Google, because they're getting the better results, they're getting the results that they want, so they keep the users, which is what Google search is all about, essentially what Google wants to achieve. They want people to be using their platform, Mm. so by serving the better results, they keep people within their platform. By us knowing how they're doing that, we can create the content that provides the better results, So, so everybody wins
0: yeah it's a good point i think there is a lot of chatter in uh in the seo world about google being opaque about algorithm updates and being a bit kind of shady about what's in the algorithm I'd, i'm not sure that's entirely true they are fairly clear and, and there is a large part of what the algorithm does which i guess nobody really knows because there are so many variables and so much machine learning it's not like there's someone at the center of google which has a, this deep understanding of every element that goes into this algorithm is it it's just too
1: complex. <laughs> just one person sat in google hq yeah yeah very... but um, you've got to expect a certain level of um, opacity is that a word um, yeah because yeah. um They can't give away the secret sauce. They publish exactly, this is exactly our algorithm. Everybody can copy them.
0: Mm. No
1: no business is going to turn around and say, look, we've got this great product that provides this great service. This is exactly how we do it because then they're just gonna get knocked off. Mm. So you've got to expect a certain level of opacity, but they're pretty open in terms of this is a factor. This is a factor. This is how you need to approach these situations because it benefits them if people are making their content right. And if especially it benefits them from a um, possibly a more covert point of view, if you're making your content to work for Google's crawler, it makes it easier for their crawler to crawl your content. Mm. If you're following their rules and, and building your content to their crawl, it makes it easier for them, which makes their life easier. So um, yeah, you've got to expect a certain amount of secrets and not to, we can't know everything about how the algorithm exactly works. But they are pretty open in telling us what factors, what, what the end goal is, what they're trying to achieve with their algorithm. So you can build your content around that.
0: So what sort of business owners should be thinking about the stuff that we're going to be covering today who is this stuff relevant for is it just this kind of theoretical thing that's out there which we don't really need to know but if we're geeky we should dig into it or is this something which is actually can be fairly fundamental to how a website ranks
1: well, I think a bit of both. And depending on what niche you're in, it's going to have more relevance than some others. I think it affects most niches because um, most businesses out there have some form of blog or um, some form of way they use their website to communicate with their users. And they'll often be making claims. So anywhere you're making a claim, this is going to be a factor. Um, and most blogs are going to be making some form of claim. Uh I would expect it to be particularly big in um, your money or your life industries, so uh, industries that Google consider your money or your life. uh, For those uninitiated, that basically means anywhere where Google thinks your website could have an impact on the user's quality of life. That would become a your money or your life. Generally, medical, legal, um, some um, e-commerce, industries like that, but specifically um, medical industries suspect would have, it would play a big factor because you know, you're making claims about what these products do which affect people's uh, well-being and media i would expect to be another large one because it's news and news generally boils down to some form of claim mm.
0: okay so uh, the the big question then how does google check facts <laughs>
1: Okay, so, so that's that's the big one. So we're getting into the complicated stuff.
0: Absolutely, let's go straight in. So
1: in this process, what they're doing is it's important to understand as well, to start this is about fact checking, not opinions on facts. It's about the actual fact itself. So whether it's true or false. So digging into the actual process. So um, on the overview, there's three steps that the process takes to fact check some content so the first step it does is their generation step where they're taking the claim and trying to i to find as many possible documents as they can that support or disprove the claim so they're just looking for as many documents that are related to that claim as possible the second step is the relevance step so that's where they filter the documents that they've gathered to get rid of anything that's not relevant to the specific claim being checked. And then the final step is the stand step where they review the documents to determine if they support or disprove the claim being made. And then they use that to um, make a decision on if the claim is factual or not.
0: Okay, so we've got generation where we're just collecting information, relevance where we're filtering it, and then stance, which is the the decision, I guess, right? Yeah,
1: so that's that's the end start. That's where it's making the decision. Okay, is this true or not based on the weight of evidence?
0: Got it. Okay, so maybe let's go through each of those steps in a, in a bit of detail then. So generation, firstly, how, how does that work? Say we've got a website, um, which might be a medical site. It's ranking for like a featured snippet and... Um, maybe the question is, I don't know, what, what might be a sort of question where, where Google might be running through this process, perhaps ideal human body temperature or something like that, perhaps?
1: Okay, so um, we could actually go with one of the examples they give in the actual research paper, which is, um, so they gave an example, with, there was a document making the claim, a video documents that the shootings at Sandy Hook Elementary School were a staged hoax. So, right. Google getting a little, little political Contentious, <laughs> going
0: straight for a...
1: <laughs> well, um, but that's, that's a very clear claim, yeah. claiming that the shootings were a hoax, it yeah. didn't actually happen. So it provides a very clear claim. So what they first do is they need to run through their generation stage of trying to gather as many documents as they can that are related to that claim. Mm. So they can start to review the evidence. So they do that through two different methods. They do it, first of all, through links provided on the page that is making the claim itself. So the page will be linking out to other pages. They're going to follow those links, gather those pages. In the vast majority of cases where you're linking to is going to be relevant to what you're saying. That's why you're linking to it. So there's going to be a connection there. And they do it through organic search. So they generate some search terms. They then run those through The Google algorithm to create a search, and then they gathered the first 100 pages, so they're going quite deep on this 100 pages that rank for those terms that they search for, and then using those as well. So, the next next question that I'm sure is coming is um, what search terms do they use to Mm. do this? So, they run, um, so they create search terms. There are a couple of methods. So the first one, they use the article title. So the title of the page they're checking, they just take the title, search it in Google. Next, if there is claim review schema markup on the page, they will use the claim from that and search that claim. They will then transform any title and claim text with entity annotations So getting a little complicated here. So what that means is basically they get rid of all the superfluous words in the claim and just boil it down to the important words. So for the example given, a video documents that the shootings at Sandy Hook Elementary School were a staged hoax, they'll end up with the query, video document shooting Sandy Hook Elementary School hoax. So it's just got rid of all the grammatical fluff, (laughs) (laughs) which is just a simple concatenation of the five entities in that claim. Um, and then they will use click graph queries. So this means reviewing the other pages that rank for the same terms as the page that is being reviewed, and then seeing what other terms they rank for and going through those and seeing what pages also rank for those terms. So uh, an important point on the click graph queries is we don't know how deep Google takes, they take the click Mm. click graph queries. Uh, It doesn't specify so. do they take so they take a, a page that is ranking for the same term? Do they then look at every single keyword that page also ranks for, or do they only take keywords that a page is ranking for on page one? We don't know at this. Mm. Stage. They've not confirmed that. I suspect it's probably only going to be higher rankings. Otherwise, you're going to it would be monstrous in the scope in terms of what it would do. Because um, I'm sure you're familiar, Tim, with um, you take any page and it will rank for hundreds, potentially thousands of different keywords. A lot of them completely irrelevant, but it ranks really deeply. Mm. So it's not really relevant.
0: So this process that Google goes through in the generation stage sounds Fairly similar to when we're figuring out who a are, are uh, client's SEO competitors are, right? So we're looking at other, business, other pages that are ranking for that term, what other terms that page is ranking for and looking at pages that are showing up for that, and then kind of any variations uh, which would be indicated through the schema.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a very similar process to that. So what it's trying to do at this stage is just gather as many pages as it possibly can that might be relevant. It's going to filter these out later to work out what is relevant, which is similar to what we would do the hmm. uh, process you just outlined. It's just at this point trying to get as big a list as possible. So as big a potential um based check against as it possibly can so it's just looking for loads of various resources in the next steps it will then go through and filter those to get rid of stuff say okay this isn't really relevant so let's just get rid of that we're not considering that it's just trying to get as huge a list as possible okay so Uh, so go on sorry so from the so from the research paper this they stated from um reviewing from Taking all those steps and then removing any duplicates, because a lot of, them, a lot of these various steps are going to throb duplicate pages. Removing any duplicate pages for any one article they check, they average around two and a half thousand documents to check against after following those steps. So you know, it's quite a wide base they've got from there, but they've not applied the filter yet. So a lot of those will then be filtered out.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that filter then. So next step is relevance, where Google starts looking at all of these pages and figuring out which ones are relevant for its kind of mini research project to check this fact. How on earth does it even begin to filter all of this stuff?
1: Okay, so yeah, so the relevance step, once they start working out all these documents collected, which ones of those are relevant? Um, so they, this step then itself is broken down into three sort of substeps that it takes to run through. So the first step, they gather evidence from the article being checked and the pages found in the first in the first stage. Then they build features to compare against each each uh, the page being checked against the pages being found, and then they build a model to rank the features. So the first substep, gathering evidence. So they'll gather they'll evidence from the checked article, including the claim being made, the article title, the article headline, selected sentences. So they select sentences that are similar to the claim being made, so sentences that have a similarity with the and entity, entities annotated on the claim text with an associated confidence score. That means, I know, really clear, isn't it? <laughs> It does get a bit technical. So um so the associated confidence score is they're ranking how confident the person is making the judgment. Are they like are they stating something as tentatively or are they stating this is an absolute truth?
0: Right. So is someone saying the Sandy Hook shootings were a hoax or is someone saying there is suggestions that the Sandy Hook shootings were a hoax? Yes.
1: Yeah, so for example, in the example given, the claim text itself is very clear. It is claiming it is a hoax. That's a very high confidence. Mm. If they say, oh, you know, um, possibly it could be a host or suggesting it might be a hoax, that's less confident. They're still making the claim that it is a hoax, yeah. hoax, but tentatively, they're not, you know, hanging themselves out on a limb of this is definitely true. Um, so Google's going to relate that in terms of the evidence it's gathering. It's looking, are you making a tentative claim or are you making a very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, a very um, secure claim? Yeah. Are you like absolutely stating it or are you tentatively stating it? Because that will affect how it reviews it as well. Tentative obviously has a lower burden of proof because you're not saying it's an absolute Whereas if you're absolutely, yes, this is definitely the way it is, you need to, it's a higher burden of proof. It needs to be absolutely proved Mm. that it is.
0: Okay. So we've gathered a range of evidence. We're still in step two, which is this relevance thing. They've been gathering evidence from all of these articles, looking at how certain each of the articles is about this particular fact and whether they're relevant.
1: What now? so they then gather their evidence from the related documents so they they gather evidence based from the same criteria but the difference being instead of just using selected sentences which they use in the documents because um, a lot of text in the doc in the document itself isn't going to be about the specific claim so they only choose selected sentences for the documents they're checking against they use all sentences and paragraphs because it might be any sentence in that document might be supporting or disproving the claim Um, whereas in the actual document itself only certain sentences are going to be specifically about the claim and it's related to the claim Um, so it's kind of the difference between the claim itself and the evidence the evidence it could be any part of that document could be supporting it whereas the claim itself all they're interested in is the actual claim being made yeah so the document is so The document being checked can't really self, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Self evaluate, self prove. Yeah. Because they're not looking for evidence to support your claim on your document. They're just looking for the claim on that document. They're looking for the evidence on external documents. That's not to say you shouldn't include it on your own document if you're making a claim, because it's always good to back it up. The reader of your document, of your page, isn't going to go and do all this work that Google is. The reader is going to read your page, so you need to back it up on your page for your readers. But for in terms of Google checking, Google's not going to allow you to self-prove your own claim. It's mm-hmm. going to use external sources.
0: At this point, a big question in my head is, at some point, if Google had run a fact check on is the world flat, they would have got, potentially they would have come to the conclusion that the world was flat because that was conventional wisdom and that's what all the documents around at the time would have been saying. From your study of this research paper, do we not have the danger here that new findings or new discovered truths are labelled as false because evidence and articles and opinion elsewhere says that that's not how things are.
1: Yeah, potentially, it could, but there is a step later on in the process, where they wait, um, they weight evidence based on its recency. So more recent evidence will carry a greater weight than older evidence, right? So this is to reflect that understanding can change of things over time, For like you said, the world is flat, or, for example, smoking, People didn't think smoking was harmful um, way back when, before the internet. But people didn't think smoking was harmful. We now understand it's very harmful. So opinion changes. So it can be. So there is a waiting element in terms of. How new, how new the information is. It also reflects that um, when a fraudulent story or fake news is released, you tend to get a flurry activity as well of articles disproving that, saying, hold on, actually, this is the, what this person's stating here is rubbish. So it, ta- it takes that into account. It does en- um, introduce an interesting idea though, in terms of potentially, I could see this being able to be brute forced in Mm. a way this uh, if you just flooded like i mean it'd be a huge concerted effort from somebody to be able to do it they you based on like we said earlier they're doing so many checks and casting the net so wide you would have to put a hell of a lot of content out there but if you flooded the internet with content that supported your fake claim potentially that could trigger the check to say actually we think this is true because all this new content saying it's true
0: Mm but
1: like i said it would have to be a huge flood of content um uh, uh not mentioning any names but it'd have to be kind of like you know good resource scale yeah yeah or even a business would not be able to do this because it would it would have to be this whole huge flood of content and enough to counteract the counterclaims that would also come out because you can't control what other people do on the internet and there will be plenty of people going, hold on, now this is rubbish. Yeah. So um, it would have to be a massive deluge of content supporting it. Infowars 2.0. Yeah, it would have to be huge, which would seem a really big effort. I mean, I could see some organisations maybe wanting to do it, but the resources needed to put in it into it would seem to be quite big.
0: And I guess the, the also... Taking a step back and looking at why Google is doing it, Google is presumably doing this specifically to um, to make it harder for fake news to become truth, right? Yeah, the idea is it's um, it's uh,
1: the the primary focus of the research paper is fake news and how to detect against fake news and stop fake news getting traction in search results. OK, so, um, yeah, I would strongly suspect that Google have taken that into account and um, there's possibly some mechanism going on in the background that they're not telling us about, because obviously they tell you how they filter out fake news. It makes it really easy for anybody who wants to put that out there to get around it if they know how it's done. So there's possibly some mechanism in the background working there as well. that's not mentioned in this specific paper.
0: That's smart enough to figure it out, aren't they? If anyone's going to figure it out, it's good old Google. <laughs> Uh,
1: I would suspect. I suspect there's no perfect system out there, but I, I would be very surprised if they don't have some other mechanism working in the background to get rid to try and filter out all this fake news.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be learning all the time, isn't it? Okay, um, so where are we at in the process? So we've we're in the relevance step. So it's checking relevance. Yeah. It's... So they've
1: gathered their gathered their evidence from the various documents. Yeah. And now they need to build those into features to compare the evidence. So essentially they just do this through checking the similarity between the two features. So we're say, for example, we're taking the page titles, how closely do the page titles match? So this is, they need to be quite careful on this step because obviously the difference between supporting a claim and disproving it could be one word. Mm.
0: Or Or even just the tone
1: of voice. Yeah, does not not does not prove this. So like you could do it with one word. So they need to be quite careful with this. So um, they went into a lot of um, very complicated details, which I would suggest if anybody really wants to um, see all the complicated details or um, you know need some bedtime reading send them to sleep, to check out on the actual research paper. Um, but uh, they essentially build this lexicon of language on their system to understand exactly which terms transform a positive statement into a negative one so it can check against all these factors Um, so they basically check the similarity between them to filter out if they're not if they're not really that similar they'll just get filtered out and thrown by the wayside because they're not they're not concerned with those and um, then uh, the pub this is where the publication order comes in as well to check how new they are if the claims being made is a new claim uh, supporting evidence from you know, 30 years ago not really going to cut it
0: yeah we'll link to the uh the research paper in the description and i predict it'll be one of the lowest
1: click-through rate links we've ever published possibly <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very pre-order it is very it's very enlightening but it's very hard going because it is a proper scientific research paper they don't They've not written it to be accessible, so it is quite hard yeah. going. Uh, but um, it is really enlightening, and it's, well, if you're an SEO, I would, re- I would really recommend having a read of it. It's really interesting to see exactly how Google's doing these things.
0: Okay, um, so they've collected evidence. They've started comparing the evidence based on key features um, and using an algorithm that looks, like, it looks at things like recency, what now?
1: So now then they compare the features to, so then they've got the the final step of this stage is the model. So they use the features they've gathered above and they build, build a decision tree model, which compares the features and scores of the checked article versus the related document to determine if the related document is relevant to the claim being checked. So essentially, they're just comparing the two. They've created these features for each document, and they're just comparing the two to see how much crossover there is. Uh, It doesn't tell you specifically where their cutoff point is, but they'll have a cutoff point somewhere that says, "Okay, this is X similar, so that's included. This is only Y similar, so that's gone.
0: Okay. so through this second step, they've collected all the evidence, and now it's time to decide where they sit on the outcome right whether this fact is now now it's
1: the important part the big the important part the stance so does it support or does it disprove the document
0: how does that work
1: uh it's going to get a little technical here
0: oh a little technical (laughs) is it andy (laughs) (laughs) well it's about time we got technical in this episode
1: (laughs) so in this phase they build a model where the, the model is basically for and against. So it looks at the features of the checked document, the features of the document it's being checked against, and then decides if that contradicts or supports the document. So for the relevant documents, so the document that's being checked, they classify it into two categories. So whether it's contradicting or whether it's supporting seems simple enough. Um, so there's a potential third category, which they don't use. They do address, but they don't use, which is neither or discuss type categories. So you might have you know, a piece of content that makes a claim, but isn't particularly saying one way or the other, and is saying, okay, discuss what you think about it. Let's talk okay. about this, let's, let's look at both options. Um, but they found that only roughly 20% of documents that fell into this screw actually fell into the neither or discuss mm-hmm. type categories. Um, and the majority of those were user generated content such as forums or social network posts. Right. Um, so they excluded that from the system in terms of it's a different type of content.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they often include contradicting and exposing viewpoints. I'm sure you can relate everybody's seen on social media. Somebody makes some kind of claim and then the comments are just full of people. Yes, I agree, no, and arguing over it. So you can't really make a viewpoint either way from those, um, from those pieces of content because they've got just as much for as they've got against. So it doesn't really support as an actual evidence. And the vast majority of it is personal opinion. Hmm somebody's opinion so it's not really relevant in terms of fact checking so
0: okay as they're starting to do this fact checking are they looking at the authority from an seo perspective of the publications making these because surely there is a weighting towards you know, if their claim is on Wikipedia, which could which has a high DA, but uh, which has a high Page Rank, but could be susceptible to, you know, user generated mischief. Yeah. Versus Wall Street Journal, they could make, you know, that compared to fake news dot biz dot spam. They could, they could both make claims. They could both make them confidently, but they shouldn't really have the same weighting, should they? Do we know how Google is prioritising opinions? And
1: yes, so it doesn't directly, it doesn't mention authority of the site in the research, and I don't believe it's a direct factor, because if they're using this model, and we have to, then. It's not the authority of the site being checked, hasn't been looked at at all. Mm. But it would be an indirect factor because they use a lot of results found through search. High authority sites rank better in search, so they're going to be the ones that are going to come up in all, they're going to be the ones that form the majority of the pages found in the first step when they're generating as many pages as they can. Um, because they're going to be the pages that are ranking. The high authority ones are going to be the ones that are ranking. So they're the ones that are going to get captured.
0: Got it. So oh my it's gosh. It's algos on algos.
1: It is. It's algorithms upon algorithms. The the murky spiral of Google.
0: Wow. Okay. Fascinating. So it's where where are we at, Andy? Where are we at? Help me okay. my head's in my head. So they're
1: comparing the two documents. They're
0: comparing the two documents.
1: So essentially what they um, build this down to is they've got the two documents, they read both of them, not a person, Google, the system reads both of them to determine what the document what the document is actually saying and if it supports or disproves the document being claimed. So this is an element where their machine learning is going to come into it. Um, and we know this is a big factor in search for things like search intent and matching the right content to the right user based on the intent behind the search query. Google's, in recent years, Google's got really good at understanding the intent of content just by crawling it. So they're using the same system here. They're crawling the content, they're reading it, and they're understanding the intent of it. Is this proving this statement or is it disproving this statement? And then they're using that to determine if, okay, do we, is this article being checked true or false. So, um, so yeah, it really comes down to a similar to organic search. Their machine learning is looking at it and understanding, okay, what does this mean? What is mm. the document actually saying? Is it supporting this or is it against it? And they do that for every article that they've deemed is relevant. So wow. we don't know exactly how many articles they're uh, coming up with deeming as relevant. We know they captured 2,500 in the first wide netcast. Um, so there's at least going to be a few hundred, if not a thousand or so documents that have remained relevant and they're checking this again. So it's quite a wide net to check on. And this was just for the research as well. So it's important understand this was for the research for if out in the wild, they could easily scale this up to just include more and more and more and check mm. deeper and deeper.
0: Jeez. This is why CPCs are so
1: expensive. <laughs> yeah we're paying for all this yeah <laughs> set these people off to do all this research and dig into all these um dig into all the all these various methods set up all the servers and etc what they're going to need to run all this
0: oh my gosh so have we we haven't got to a. we haven't even got to a conclusion yet have we we're just comparing the the origin article against each of the other relevant articles to see what the if each article is agreeing or disagreeing, and then is there some kind of tally and Google goes 300 votes for, 500 votes against, the nays have it.
1: Yes, so essentially they're looking at how many, as well as the numbers, they're also looking at the other factors. So how fresh is the document? how confident is it in its claim? So, if you're making a tent- say you make a tentative claim uh, to go back to the original example, you, oh, the Sandy Hook shootings may have been a hoax. Hmm. So, you're hmm. making a tentative claim against it. there's you might have a few supporting documents that are tentatively agreeing with that position. you might have more than the documents disagreeing with that position. But if the documents disagreeing with that position are very insistent, they are, you know, hanging themselves out. Yeah, it's absolutely, that's absolutely false. It's not true. Then it might still shift it to even though you've got more on your side saying, well, actually, they're more confident in their claim. Whereas everybody supporting you is tentative. People against you are really confident. So that leads us to believe that actually the no's have it.
0: Absolutely makes 100% sense, Andy. I've understood everything that you've said today without fail.
1: So there will be a test afterwards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, for the, for the, your money or your life site, or even the, whatever type of content site owner who is listening, who needs to make claims on their website, what are the main lessons that they need to take from this? Just get it right.
1: So, yeah, the main lesson is don't make claims that you can't back up. Yeah, essentially, it essentially boils down. So it's not to say make sure the weight, the overwhelming weight of scientific opinion is on your side, because as we know, understanding can change and claims can change. It's to make sure you can back it up. Mm. So don't claim something that can't be backed up, because then you're going to get flagged as it's not true, and more than likely you're not going to rank very well. So make sure you can back up what you're saying. Make sure that you have sources that support claims you're making. If you're making a claim that, um, for example, let's take a medical site. Oh, this this, um, over-the-counter medicine you can buy kills the common cold. You'll never get a common cold again. Make sure you've got something to back it up Hmm. to say that actually says that's possible.
0: So what strikes me from all this is that Google is not necessarily seeking to come to an absolute understanding of a particular thing but they're really looking at the claim made on a specific page to decide whether it's true or not so really google is trying to work out is your page lying not did the sandy hook shootings happen
1: yeah they're not they're not giving themselves a political stance they're not declaring themselves on an issue. They are just trying to determine, is this true or false? Mm. Because if it's false, they don't want it in their search results because it's no good for their users. They don't want to serve false information for their users. So it is just them trying to determine, is this true, is this false? Not does this support our beliefs or does this support our political leanings or whichever way you want to do it. Just simply, is it true or is it false?
0: So the only outcome for that really is that false stuff is they don't want to show it the only the only possible outcome from this surely is essentially a single page or multi-page penalty really
1: yeah so um yeah the, the only the only negative you would have, you would get is your content's not going to rank. the same similar way as if your content was just rubbish mm. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not going to rank <laughs> put it nicely it's just not going to rank so uh, it's similar to that it's not they're not going to penalize your site for it they're not going to be putting an active negative thing on your site for doing it they're just not going to serve your page to their users Mm. because they it's not true and they don't want to serve not true information to their users
0: but surely factual inaccuracy has got to be a quality indicator i know this is outside the research paper but surely if a site is publishing ninety-five percent verifiable BS, it's going to find it tough to rank.
1: I would very much expect so. Yeah. I can't. I can't see a world in which where where Google would not want factual accuracy to be a ranking factor.
0: Mm.
1: So yeah. yeah it, whilst yes, this research paper doesn't definitely say that this is included in our algorithm. I think the timing is very interesting as well. This research paper was published in April last year, not too long before the medic update, which we know had a big impact on medicine and media sites, mm. which would be sites where being factual and accurate is incredibly important. So, um, And
0: it's an update where entire domains saw you know tra- traffic drop not just individual pages as well yeah, right?
1: the daily mail was a big one a big site well known saw a big impact from medic and so uh, it it would not surprise me at all uh, and disclaimer complete speculation here if medic wasn't introducing this to the algorithm
0: yeah absolutely well this is fascinating it's really good to get a sort of kind of so much of seo can be uh opinion and um There's nothing wrong with practical information, obviously, but I think it's good to go back to first principles and try and understand how Google thinks, and this has been a really interesting insight, and thank you so much for digging through all of the stuff that none of us, and I'm speaking for the rest of the world, wants to dig through, (laughs) and uh, bringing it to our attention.
1: (laughs) all right. I actually quite enjoyed going through their research paper, strangely enough. It was very hard going and difficult reading, but it was quite enjoyable in the end. I guess that's why you're head of SEO and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes a good SEO. We love digging into these things.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Andy. And thank you everyone for tuning
1: in. Not a problem, Tim. Thanks for having me.
0: Hope you found this video useful. And remember, if you enjoyed it, click the little like button. If you want to check out more videos from Exposure Ninja, then don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that little bell icon, or leave us a comment if you've got any questions or suggestions of things that you'd like to see us cover in future. Don't forget, if you want some help with your digital marketing, then you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request a free website and digital marketing review. What will happen here is we'll ask you a few questions about your website and your goals and one of our team will then put together a 15-minute video where we'll show you how to improve your website's ranking, your traffic and your conversions. It's completely free of charge. I know, crazy, right? But danger there is a chance that you'll become a client after seeing this review because it'll blow your socks off i have to be honest but don't let that put you off go to exposureninja.com forward slash review and i look forward to seeing you in the next video